the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. Good morning, People's Baptist Church, and welcome to all those who have joined us for this live-streamed worship service, coming to you from the sanctuary of People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Restoring the Joys We Once Had. Restoring the Joys We Once Had. Our relationship to Jesus Christ, like any other relationship, has to be maintained. No relationship ever stays the same. You're either growing closer to God or we are drifting away. We never stand still. We're either having our heart growing warmer every day or it's growing colder. We all know the struggle to keep our hearts warm and on fire for God. We all know when our spiritual life is in decline and the joy of being a Christian is absent. The struggles we experience is something every believer has to deal with. We face temptations. We face ups and downs, good days and bad days, when we wonder if we are really disciples of Jesus. William Cowper, the English pastor and hymn writer, knew well what we are talking about today. In 1769, he wrote the hymn, Oh, for a closer walk with God. In the second stanza, he asked, Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? And then he answers in the third stanza, What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memory still. But they have left an aching void the world can never fill. And the good news that he announced in the following stanza is, Return, O holy dove, return. Sweet messenger of rest, I hate the sin that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. And we can also pray the prayer David prayed after his sins in Psalm 51 and verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. 
Or we can pray the prayer prayed in Lamentations chapter 5 and verse 2, from which the title of this message comes. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. How do you get the joy back into your Christian life? You may have been a believer for months, years, or even decades, but you notice your spiritual life is not what it used to be. Maybe you don't feel as close to the Lord as you once did. How do you get back on track? First, let us look at what causes spiritual decline. So the first question is, what causes spiritual decline? Now, in Mark 14, we have the story of Peter and his denial of Jesus the night he was arrested. In that story, we have four common causes why people fall away. First, there is overconfidence. In Mark 14, Jesus and his disciples were observing the Jewish Passover feast. Jesus shocked all of them, announcing that all of them were going to desert him. And we pick up the story in verses 27 and 29. On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Peter said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. But only hours later, Peter denied that he knew Jesus. So whenever we hear of another Christian falling into sin or messing up his or her life, and we say, that would never happen to me, we are setting ourselves up for a fall. Given the right set of circumstances, we are all capable of any sin. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That means we lie to ourselves as much as we lie to others. We don't always know why we do what we do. We should never say, I could never do that. That is called overconfidence, and that's the first step of falling away from God and losing our joy. But the second cause of falling away is Fatigue. We get lethargic and kind of slack off. All of the good habits like praying daily, reading the Bible daily, and being in church and prayer meeting every week, and giving tithes and offerings to the Lord regularly gradually become less important. We start saying, I don't have time for those things right now. That ought to be a warning light. Because in the next scene, we see this happening to Peter. He just got tired. Jesus took Peter, James, and John into the garden and said, Stay here and pray with me for a while. He goes off and prays and comes back, and they are asleep. He goes off and comes back again, and they have fallen asleep again. He did the third time. And so Jesus, in, in verse 30, 37, uh, says, or the scripture says, Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, 
Are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? See, there's a principle here. When you get tired, you are most vulnerable to temptation. It is more difficult to do the right thing than it is to do the wrong thing. If you really want to do the right thing in life, then it takes energy, it takes effort, it takes stamina. Unless you know how to recharge your spiritual or, or physical batteries, then fatigue is going to set in. And fatigue is the warning light that something is out of order. Fatigue lowers your defense and makes you vulnerable. But the third cause of falling away is fear of disapproval. Fear of disapproval. We are worried about what other people will think. We are afraid that they won't accept us, that they will make fun of us, or put us down, or that we might be harassed by them. This is what happened to Peter. After Jesus was arrested, it says in Mark 15, 54, the second part, that Peter followed him at a distance. Now, Jesus has been arrested, and Peter decided he would stay just far back enough so that nobody would identify him with Jesus. Do you ever try to follow Jesus at a distance? You see, if all of a sudden Christianity was outlawed and you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would your neighbors know you were a Christian or that you were always gone on Sunday mornings but they didn't know why? One of the signs that you can know that you are slipping away from Christ is you start to become ashamed of him. You want to follow him at a distance. You're ashamed to pray even over a meal in a restaurant because you don't want other people seeing you doing it. What would people think if they see you praying or identifying with Jesus in some way? They might think that you are a religious fanatic. But when you start worrying about what other people think, you are headed for trouble. Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse, and verse 38, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his father with the holy angels. He said, there are no secret agents in God's army. No closet Christians. A lot of Christians can talk about anything except Jesus. But the fourth cause of falling away is convenience. We want to have a comfortable faith. We want it to fit our schedule. Look at what happened to Peter. It says he followed Jesus from a distance. In, in, verse, in verse 54, the second part, it says, For a while he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. This is an amazing scene. 
Jesus is about to be executed and Peter is parting with the enemy. He's sitting there in the, in the crowd wanting to be one of the group, warming his hands by the fire. He's sitting around a campfire with the very men who are going to torture and execute his Lord, hanging out, wanting to be comfortable. You see, if you try to enjoy the world's campfire, you are going to get burned. You are not in the same kingdom or living the world's lifestyle anymore if you are a Christian believer. Forty years of leading this congregation, I have seen a parade of short-term disciples who walk with Christ as long as it was convenient. Then they fall away. And I've noticed a pattern when people fall away from Christ. It always starts like this. The first thing they stop doing is giving. Jesus said, your giving indicates your heart. He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. It's a thermometer, a, a good AKG of your heart. So you need to ask the question, how is your giving? Or I need to ask the question this morning, how is your giving? The second thing that stops is prayer. People stop praying on a regular basis. And the third thing is that they stop attending worship. They find a reason not to be in church. What happens to those people? What happens to a genuine Christian who for one reason or another has fallen away or has declined spiritually? They are not walking with the Lord anymore. How does God respond to those kind of Christians? When a Christian sins, does he or she lose his or her salvation? When a Christian sins, does he or she go to hell? How does God respond? He responds the way he always responds to his children, by grace. Paul in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, So now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. The word no is the strongest possible negative in the Greek language. It means no, no, never, never, not in a million years. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that you don't lose your salvation when you sin. Aren't you glad of that? Because if you could lose your salvation every time you sin, then you would lose it about uh, once a minute. (laughs) Notice it does not say there are no consequences. There are a lot of consequences. Every time you disobey God, every time you don't follow his instructions, you lose. You lose your fellowship with Christ. You lose rewards in heaven. You lose your joy here on earth but you do not lose your salvation. So the the first question was, what causes spiritual decline? And now the second question is, why God does not reject us when we we sin? And uh, the first thing is, because he loves 
us unconditionally because his love is unconditional. You see, God doesn't say, I love you if you are good and perfect. He doesn't say, I love you because. He just says, I love you, period. God will never stop loving you because you are a recipient of his grace. As Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God does not reject us when we sin because his love is unconditional. But the second reason he does not is because our salvation is not based on our performance. In Titus chapter 3 and verse, and verse 5, Paul says, He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't buy your way into heaven, work your way into heaven, or even bluff your way into heaven. The only way into heaven is by the mercy and the grace of God. God doesn't reject us when we sin because he loves us unconditionally, and salvation is not based on our performance. But thirdly, God does not reject us because Jesus has already taken our punishment. In America, we have a law called the Law of Double Jeopardy. It says you cannot be tried for the same crime twice. You cannot be convicted for the same crime twice. You cannot be punished for the same crime twice. That is true also in God's book. We are not punished for the same sin twice. Two, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and took the punishment for you and me, for our sins. He paid the price. He served our term. He took the death penalty for you and me. And what sins did he die for? All of them. The ones in your future that you don't even know about yet. He died for those too. They have already been punished on the cross. That's why he cried out on the cross, it is finished. In other words, paid in full. You see, if you are a Christian and you receive the grace of God, God does not punish you when you sin. That punishment was already taken by Jesus on the cross for you. Does that mean that I can do whatever I want to do because my sins have already been punished? Not at all. That would be a perversion of the grace of God. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace makes us want to do what is right. While God does not condemn us or punish us, he will discipline us. As I indicated um, in an earlier sermon, punishment is done in anger. But discipline is done in love. Punishment says this is what you get for what you did. Discipline says, I want to train you to get you on the right path for the future. 
Notice what First uh, John uh, chapter 2 and verse 2 says. He is a sacrifice for our sins. He takes away not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So God does not reject us when we sin, because Jesus has already taken the punishment for us on the cross. And then, number four, because Jesus understands our human weaknesses. Jesus is sympathetic. He is understanding. He knows our frailties, our faults. He knows what makes us tick. One of the most beautiful truths we need to learn in the, in the Christian life is that God is patient with us. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Because Jesus lived in a human body while he was here on earth, he understands our weaknesses. He knows what it is like to be tempted. So the first question that we answered was, what causes spiritual decline? And then secondly, why God does not reject us when we sin? And then thirdly, what should we do when we sin? Acknowledge and confess your sins. This is a biblical prescription. Look at 1 John chapter 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. If your spiritual life is in decline because of sin, Jesus knows. If you have lost the assurance of your salvation, Jesus can give it back to you. He is praying for you right now in heaven, and he says, come on home today. If you have lost the joys you once had, he can give it back to you. Remember, there is nobody like Jesus. When nobody else knows, he knows. When nobody else cares, he cares. When nobody else understands, he understands. And when nobody else is able, he is able. His ears are attentive. His love is unfathomable. His grace is unbelievable. His mercy is everlasting. His power is unlimited. His peace is incomprehensible. His joy is unspeakable, and his promises are dependable. If you have a problem, Jesus has a solution. If you have a question, Jesus has the answer. If you have a disease, Jesus has a cure. If you have a crisis, Jesus has the needed miracle. Your soul, if your soul needs to be revived, Jesus can do it. If you need joy, your joy restored, Jesus can do it. If you need your priorities adjusted, Jesus can do it. If you need an attitude adjustment, Jesus can do that too. And nobody can like Jesus can. In the words of Andrew Crouch, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. 
I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed, but yet my soul's not satisfied. Renew my faith, restore my joy, and dry my weeping eyes. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www. .pbcboston.org and tune in every Saturday morning at 10:30 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.